Welcome to episode 56 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about raising money for your food business with my friend Michael Movitz, a managing partner at the Movitz Group and a founding partner of Brand Jectory. We'll discuss different financing options for your food or beverage brand, how to prepare for raising capital, exactly what investors are looking for, plus how to find them. If you are thinking about financing for your food biz, this episode is for you. Stay tuned. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Ali Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. You're hearing it here first. The Food Biz Whiz quarterly planner is now available. This physical planner helps busy food business owners set and achieve their goals week in and week out. Based off my decade of helping food businesses succeed and seeing food businesses struggle to get it all done in a day, this planner is specific to our unique industry and the annual calendar that has us all thinking about fourth quarter holidays in July. Find the planner at foodbizwiz.com slash planner or linked in today's show notes. I can't wait for you to get your hands on it. Welcome, Michael. It's great to have you on the show today. Hi, Ellie. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, my whizzes. I have so much to talk about today, and I have no better person to help us navigate the topic of raising capital than my friend, Michael Movitz. Michael, you have done a ton in the past 30 years in the natural products industry, with your longest tenure being at Spins for 16 years before starting your own business, the Movitz Group. I'd like to start right there, if that's okay with you. So for those listeners who don't know what Spins is, can you tell us what that is, what you did there, and how it led you to starting the Movitz Group? Sure. Well, Spins is uh, the premier market research uh, company for the natural products industry. Um, they uh, Now, when I started, I was employee number 25 in 2000, and wow. when I left uh, almost four and a half years ago, uh, we were almost at 200 people. Um, but the, the, the company provides uh, data and insights from retail sales through collection and reporting of POS data, uh, consumer uh, insights through uh, a national consumer panel, and has a number of digital services to help brands optimize their consumer connection and, uh, and conversation with their consumers. So when I, I, I held a number of senior roles at Spins uh, over the years, uh, and one of the roles uh, that I was in uh, in the early 2010s was working with our financial institution clients. Mm. And um, I had a front seat to what was at that time the beginning of the decline of traditional conventional CPG business and the rise and emergence of uh, in, in more of the mainstream of the uh, traditional natural organic specialty food products. And the reason why I say that is because um, I was getting uh, inbound unsolicited calls from different financial institutions, uh, literally on a weekly basis, uh, looking for data to try to understand Hmm. what was happening, why the business was being disrupted and who was disrupting it. And um, it became very clear that there was was a big sea change occurring uh, in the marketplace as as the uh, consumer momentum was clearly moving from traditional 
uh, CPG brands into the better for you universe. Um, and so through a combination of, of that insight and a number of other things occurring in my professional and personal life, um, it was a perfect opportunity for me to start the Mobitz group. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I love this, that you like saw <laughs> you could, <laughs> you were in this position to like, see, like you said, see this change coming and realize that your experience at spins led you to be the per- perfect person to go off and start the Mobitz group. So can you tell us what the Movitz Group does for brands? And then I want to, you know, I want to find out about Brand Jectory, your newest venture as well. Sure. Um, the Movitz Group is an advisory. We we work with early stage companies, typically zero to five million in sales, but we have worked with companies much larger, even up to two hundred million. So we work with early stage companies on uh, building go to market strategies and helping them to prepare to raise capital. Um, our, our, our model is uh, myself as the managing partner, and then I work with about a half a dozen or more uh, industry experts in different areas, whether it's brand positioning, uh, finance and operations, consumer and shopper uh, strategy, commerce and channel strategy, corporate social responsibility, and, and data analytics. Mm-hmm. And, and so on the, on the preparation for capital raising, we focus on three areas, uh, financial models, investor pitch presentations, and uh, introductions to investors. And yes. on the go-to-market side, okay. sorry. Keep going. I okay. love this. Um, and on the market, on the go-to-market side, um, we start with really the strategic foundation. So it's um, developing a living business plan, product positioning strategy, consumer strategy, commerce strategy, pricing strategy, um, market evaluation. Um, and uh, we... we um, uh, express this through whether it's a business plan, a retail presentation, a market overview, uh, price analytics, um, consumer uh, data, insight and analytics, um, et cetera. So we use uh, a data informed strategy um, just because that is my background and, yep. and uh, facts are important. <laughs> um, yes, so that's a great w- quote for our show today. Facts are important. There you go. Um <laughs> And uh, so we use the data as an, to inform the strategy, but I, I'd like to say that we like to provide a lot of uh, recommendations and, uh, and talk about the implications of different uh, options um, and the nuances in those different strategies, mm. um, but always with some heart and soul and, <laughs> and authenticity. So, you know, it's not just a numbers game. There's a lot of, of uh, prescriptive insights that, that come with it. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm loving it. It's been four and a half years. We've served yeah. uh, almost 40 clients and yeah. um, I just, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love yeah. helping companies. I know you do. And I, I know that we've, we've shared some brands. I think the most recent being much better butter. And that's a, for those listening, it's a sunflower seed spread. And, you know, Tina just spoke so highly of her work with you. And I just, I, I love it when my when my retail ready students use people who I trust in the industry and and validate that it, you know I have such a, a strong reason for trusting them. Thank you. Yeah, I loved working with them. Great, yeah. great people. Great product. Great people. Great people. Yeah, and great product too. So okay, and so then then you launched Brandjectory, and this is Brandjectory is brand new. I mean, I know that we were talking about it back in March when. COVID like first went down. Um, that was like right pre-launch for you. Tell me what Brandjectory is, and then let's start talking about raising capital. 
Sure. Um, Brandjectory is a relationship building platform specifically targeted to our natural CPG industry for founders and investors to discover each other, connect, share information, and build a relationship on the path to a transaction. Um, and I'll, I'll get into it in a little bit more about yep. you know what it does and how it works. But in terms of how it came to be, you know, it actually started uh, literally four and a half years ago when I first started my advisory and I was talking to uh, founders. Um, one of their one of their biggest needs was I need I need to raise money, <clears throat> and I'm yep. not sure how I I go about this. And the questions were always the same. Um, how do I find an investor? How do I know who's the right fit? What do they need to hear from me? What um, what information should I be telling them? And how do I keep them updated? And so what was also fascinating is that when I would talk to investors, they would ask almost the exact same questions. How do I find brands that are the right fit? And how do I know mm. going in so that mm. we're not wasting a lot of people's times in the beginning? And how can they keep me updated? And how is it going to best, res- how am I going to best resonate for them and be a fit for them? And so I was happy to make introductions. I, you know, it was, uh, that was the least that I could do, but there's, there's only so many of those that you can do in a day. Yeah. And I knew that there had to be <laughs> a more uh, ele- elegant, efficient, uh, automated uh, way to do this because there were so many founders that, that had this need and so many investors that wanted to meet founders. And so um, long story short, I, I was, um, as I was thinking about um, how this could could work, how it could come together, what what it might look like. I was reading a blog from uh, a family office investor in Phoenix uh, called the Litchfield Fund, and I loved what what Tom was writing. And so I reached out to him. We started talking, and we realized that we had the exact same mission and uh, desire to try to help solve this gap in in really what was the process before the actual transaction was taking place. And it was something that was so hard to do, and so many people. Um, needed needed uh, help doing it, so we started working on 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 a solution. And then um, uh, Jeff Grog from JPG Resources mm-hmm. happened to reach out to Tom, um, who was starting to think about and and uh, work towards this exact same idea. Mm-hmm. So we the three of us got together, we um, did some planning, we did uh, some piloting of some different ideas, uh, we invested our own money, and in um, in January of 2020, we launched in uh, in beta, yep. and uh, and we were going to launch officially in the summer of 2020, but then um, COVID hit, and the clear need was accelerated because suddenly there were no more uh, in-person events where people could meet, uh, and so yeah. you yep. know having a, a web-based tool like this was was going to be crucial. So we launched officially uh, May 14th of 2020, oh. <laughs> um, and we're up and running. Congratulations! I'm I'm so excited about it, and I'm so excited. I, I I love it when businesses form out of such from such a clear need, right? Like you you have seen this problem firsthand. You saw the problem on the founder side. You saw this challenge on the investor side, and and Brandjectory was born. So we'll talk more about that in a moment. But I'd love to get into the teaching for today. And so I want to talk about how brands can become capital ready. I'm, I know you hear these questions all the time. I get these questions in retail ready. And so, so let's just, let's jump right into it. How should a brand know if they should be raising capital or not? 
right? Because I think like, Michael, I don't know if you get this, but I have so many retail ready students who are like, I think I should raise money, (laughs) right? Like that's the natural next step here. Like, should I raise money? Like how should a brand know whether or not they, they should even be, you know, considering raising capital? Yeah, it's, it's the key question. Um, and so I think there's, there's a few different um, elements to, that go into that consideration. One is, of course, that um, the brand has uh, a well-planned um, financial model mm-hmm. and a business plan um, that uh, is at least a three-year plan. Um, and it's been uh, reviewed or at least or built or um, advised by somebody who can make sure that there's no holes or gaps or did you think about this and have you thought about that and how are you going to do this and does this make sense and is this number right those kind of things um so and and the the key in the financial model of knowing whether or not you need to raise money is not in the PL. it's not based on revenue right. and expenses yep. it's based on cash flow um and cash flow is is a uh, is an outcome of course of your revenue and expenses but it has to do with timing and so um, if your need to invest to build the business uh, is going to outpace uh, your revenue, at least in the early stages, then you obviously are going to need some help to, uh, right. to fund those, uh, those investments. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing is, is you obviously you need to have um, a well thought through business plan and you need to have um, a best practice model that includes a cash flow uh, a, a statement. But then the third thing is that you, you really need to consider a capital strategy, not just going right to an investor. Um, and a capital strategy means that if, if you are going to, there, there's many different sources for capital, certainly, and I, I can talk about these in a second, but mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's funds from yourself and your own circle. There's ways to get uh, uh, debt so that you don't have to, to take yeah, on sure. uh, other investors. And then there's, of course, the investor equity. Um, but I think one of the key things to consider is that um, it, you have to be willing and ready to accept being accountable to somebody else on your business mm. if you take their money. <laughs> I think we forget about that, right? <laughs> yeah, and and it, it's so important because um, there there look there are some investors that are happy to to write small checks small meaning you know twenty five or fifty thousand to them it's small to you know a founder it could mean a huge difference yeah um, and they're not so they're not so involved in the business and they just want to know that you know you're doing well uh, occasionally but then there's other investors where you know they're going to write bigger checks and they have um, more requirements and um, you know you've got to meet those obligations to uh, to make sure that their money is working for them and for you. What about those brands who are like, you know, Michael, I just need 5,000 bucks, right? Like I need $5,000 so I can refresh my branding and take retail ready and (laughs) pay for the good food mercantile, right? Like what about, I see a lot of brands who are like, I just need a couple thousand bucks. Um, What do they do? Sure. Well, uh, of course, if if it's not available from your own savings, uh, um, you know, two common uh, approaches are to consider uh, a line, a home equity loan, mm-hmm. um, or using credit cards. But credit cards can be very expensive. You know, twenty percent plus uh, interest. So the uh, so the next the next level beyond your own self would be to talk to friends and family. Um, maybe there's, there's always a story of, you know, the wealthy uncle, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
or you know somebody like that in in your direct circle that um if you t- you have to also keep in mind that if you take money from a relative or a close friend you have to be uh, conscious of the potential for the relationship to sour if something goes south on the business yeah. <clears throat> and um you know they had other expectations totally and- totally that makes so much sense i remember like growing up or i guess i'm growing up but like you know in my 20s and early 30s, you know, I had, I've had people like ask to borrow money and stuff. And my mom would always say like, when you loan it to friends or family, it's, it's a gift. You need to consider it as a gift because it is highly probable that you will never see that money again. And sure enough, you know, if you consider it a gift, I think it, it changes the relationship. As long as, as long as both the giver and the receiver are aligned to that, then, then it's okay. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, but then, you know, then there's then there's a variety of different sources for, for loans. Of course, um, you know, there's there's SBA loans to small businesses that can be, you know, they're underwritten uh, traditional commercial loans that are uh, traditionally lower interest. Um, uh, you know, if, if the business has enough traction and is further down the road, like lines of credit could be an option or asset-based lending, which is where if there's sufficient inventory, uh, POs in hand or... Mm-hmm sufficient receivables, um, some banks will uh, loan uh, 50, 60, 70% of the value of, of those assets hmm. um, uh, as, as an option. It's, it's a process called factoring. Um, can be expensive. You know, the interest rates can be into the teens, but, um, but it, it's also traditionally for companies that are probably into the six figures of, of revenue. Right, right. So then, so then some of the others, um, that that uh, you know, if a company is not quite there, um, of course, there's micro lenders. Uh, again, the SBA does micro loans. Kiva, uh, Axion USA, and uh, Grameen America, which is actually um, a micro lender specifically for women entrepreneurs, uh, which could be a great uh, resource. Yeah, there's I'm gonna I'm gonna put all of these in the show notes, Michael. Um, okay, great. Yeah, I love this. Great. Uh, of course, there's crowdfunding sites. Um, that's just, you know, straight up small money. Um, it takes a little bit of effort to, you know, to create a campaign and to go there. But, you know, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe. Um, and then uh, uh, community development corporations. Um, you know, sometimes they typically are nonprofit 501c3s that are looking to support businesses that are um, supporting the, uh, the local community with jobs or some other yep. uh, development. Um, so those could be an option as well. I like that you gave so many different different options and at different levels too. And I think one of the things that I hear a lot is that like, you know, oh, there's no money in the food industry. Like I, you know, it's it's really expensive to start my business. And I, I you just gave me a little spark of hope that there's, there's more, there might be more money around than we think. Yeah, there's, there's, it, it takes some, some effort to, uh, to search, but these are, you know, what I just sort of enumerated here are, are definitely uh, a lot of different options. Um, the, of course, that's nice to know, but then it comes into uh, qualifications and, yep. um, you know, there's, there's different uh, qualifications for uh, different lenders. Um, so, you know, it's, it, the good thing is, is that there's uh, plenty of options to look into. 
Yeah. Okay. So from a high level, you said the things that the things a brand needs is a business plan with at least three years, you know, projections and then a a handle on their cash flow and financial projections as well. Anything else that they need to be prepared for as they raise capital? Oh, a lot of things. Um, <laughs> may, may I go through the list? <laughs> sure. Why don't you give me the highlights? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, of course, um, you you have to know how to speak to your audience. And mm. um, uh, if we're talking about going to uh, a lender or to an investor, they think in different terms than a consumer or a retailer. So you have to know how to speak to um, them in ways that, that make sense for, you know, from a capital preparation standpoint. Of course, you have to know your numbers. You have to know how much money you're going to need to meet your growth expectations and when your break-even uh, is going to occur. Um, you've got to know your business drivers and your risks. Um, one thing that either, whether it's, a lender or uh, an investor, um, they they think a lot about risks and whether that's um, you know your customers, your consumers, your suppliers, the environment, competitors. Um, being able to to speak to those different uh, risks as well as you know drivers for your own opportunity, uh, that's key. Um, I think if you're going to go down the path of of an investor, um, knowing what a term sheet includes I, mm. and and how those different terms uh, or the implication of those different terms to your business, uh, I think is an important preparation step um, because you have to know what you'd be willing to accept as you sure. get into the process. Um, uh, I think you've got to prepare for a three to six month process. Um, it takes time to find, to meet, to uh, discuss uh, and uh, do due diligence with <clears throat> excuse me, and do due diligence with the uh, different investors. And um, a diligence process could take a couple of months, but mm-hmm. you're going to do that. You're going to have fits and starts and lots of conversations that could, don't go anywhere. And so it takes takes many months. And so the um, uh, I, I'll come back to, I'm going to punctuate on one certain point in a second, but I want to make two other points in terms of preparation. Um you also, once you actually start getting into conversations, you want to do your own research and diligence on your potential investors before making any commitment um, uh, because you need to know what kind of a partner they're going to be. Are they um, you know, in it for the long haul or a quick turn? Um, are they going to you know, demand a board seat, uh, control, and all these other kinds of things? And how do they, how do they uh, operate with you? And the best way to, to do that is, you know, you can uh, ask around. You can certainly mm-hmm. talk to founders at their other portfolio companies um, to get some perspective there. Um, but the second last thing I'll say is that um, you've got to prepare to invest the time and effort to build relationships mm-hmm. um, yep. because nobody is going to make a decision after one conversation or even after two conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it takes time. And so um, I'll, I'll close with the idea that the best time to start uh, meeting investors and talking to other capital resources is today, not when you need it and you only have two months of cash yes. left on oh. hand, <laughs> today to prepare for the time when you are going to need it. Oh, I I love this reminder and I think that it's a really important one because I've I've been guilty of this in my own business and, <laughs> you know, my own life. Like, you know, you don't want to call the plumber when you've got a overflowing toilet, right? Yep. 
Yeah. Um, or start, you know, yelping for the, the, the plumber. Okay. I've got a couple other questions and then we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, Michael, can we, can we talk about like, okay, so you, you've prepared, you've done the due diligence, like maybe you're working with, you know, someone like the Movitz group to prepare in this capacity. What can we talk about? Like from a high level, what, what does an investor even look for in a brand or a business or look for in a founder? Yeah, excellent question. And the, and this goes back to knowing how to thinking about your business through the lens of an investor as opposed to a consumer mm. or a retailer. Yep. Um so the first thing that an investor is going to be thinking about is mitigating the risk. How do they protect themselves? Um the second thing is how do they achieve an X return on their investment in X number of years? Yep. Um and, you know, third, of course, they want to scale the business. Fourth, um, if it's relevant um, that, uh, you know, they're a social impact investor, they want to, they want to know that, um, you know, there's going to be, the company will actually help to uh, achieve that. So th- those are their objectives. But the things that they're looking for, there obviously has to be uh, a market need and the opportunity has to be quantified and mm-hmm. it has to be, it has to be meaningful. Um, you could try to solve a problem. But if it doesn't move the needle, many investors may not be interested. Um, which, what is the um, intellectual property uh, of the business? Mm-hmm. How is it differentiated? What's the unique value proposition? And do you have a defensible position? Um, is the business a platform? Can it be extended or is it just you know, a product? And keep in mind that um, when, when a business starts, it usually is just a single product, but yeah. the difference is that there's a vision um, for where to take the company. Um, and so sometimes, you know, it's somebody in their kitchen, they create something and that's how they start going to market. N- nothing wrong with that. But when it comes time to needing somebody else's money, they want to know where else can you take this business? Yeah. How does this become a platform and extend itself? Um, there's got to be viable unit economics. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, sure. Yeah. You have to have forgiving gross margins. Uh, ideally, in the food biz- food and beverage, that's at least 40%. Uh, supplements, at least 60%. Um, of course, the product has to taste good. The product has to be efficacious. The science has to be valid. Um, a, a repeatable consumption product is um, much more prefer- preferred from uh, you know, a one-time purchase. Sure. Um, the, the investor is going to be looking for um, what kind of traction in the market the company has and what kind of velocity uh, the product has. And velocity would be measured as units per store, per week, per SKU. Yep. Um, and that varies by category. Um, sometimes it's, it's uh, 12 to 15 units per SKU per week per store. Sometimes it's only two or three, depending on, yeah. like I said, the category or the season. Um, they're going to look for uh, the KPIs, the uh, key performance indicators, and the metrics uh, of an e-commerce business. You know, what's the conversion rate? What's your customer acquisition cost? Your average order value? Your lifetime uh, value of the consumer? Those kind of things. But um, but then we get into some more of the operational things. So, um, are, are there any legal or regulatory hurdles? Um, is the supply chain consistent and sufficient? Um, and is the process overly complicated to make it uh, a barrier to, mm-hmm. to growth? Um, is there a strategic plan uh, and path to profitability? Um, and uh, on, the, on the consumer side, is there a loyal consumer base? Uh, is the brand admired? Um, and then 
lastly, I would say how efficient has the, uh, has the company been with capital? You know, has the company raised $2 million or spent $2 million and, and only has $50,000 in sales? Or has the company bootstrapped and is at 250000 in sales and now only needs to raise money for the first time? Those are two very different scenarios. Yeah. Gosh, I think, you know, as you were listing off all those things, like I couldn't help but think like, this is so, this is so much information and I can see why it is, I can see why it's overwhelming to brands, right? They're like, Michael, like, I just really want to make my blueberry jam. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to prove that I can, you know, sustainably scale this brand with 45% gross margin, right? Like, um, but at the end of the day, these things are so important for you to think through as a founder, regardless of, regardless of whether or not you're raising capital, right? It's, it's the like fundamentals of running a sustainable business. Yeah, that that's correct. And and there's absolutely nothing wrong with someone wanting to, um, you know, uh, uh, create a business that uh, grows to a certain level and at a certain pace and allows them to keep uh, a lifestyle. Um, and, uh, you know, no, no visions of some big exit to a CPG company. That's totally fine. That's absolutely fine. Yep. Um, and, and, but, you know, if any of these types of things, uh, I'm sorry, if the company starts to need uh, outside capital, then these are the kinds of things that become that much more important. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, I love it when people come to me in Retail Ready and they're like, I've got three lines of hot sauce and I want to sell regionally and in two farmers markets and make them enough money to support my family. I'm like, yes, <laughs> we can yeah. make that happen. <laughs> like, yeah. Way to have like really awesome, you know, I, I I don't want to say, but like achievable goals, right? I'm like, if if that's your if if that's your vision of success, like awesome, like we can do that. But if someone comes to me and they're like, I make lemon curd, a single skew of lemon curd out of my home kitchen, and by next year I want to be selling in Costco's nationwide. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's gonna take a very, you know, that's gonna take some doing. <laughs> so right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you here. Okay, Michael, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're talking, going to talk about finding investors and brand trajectory. Hang tight. If you're enjoying this episode, you're going to love my Food Biz Whiz quarterly planner. I made this planner specifically for the food industry and it includes pages on setting annual and quarterly goals, planning for trade shows, organizing your category reviews, managing your buyer contacts, and much, much more. If you're ready to set and achieve your food business goals, click through to the planner linked in today's show notes. Okay, Michael, we're back. I, I hinted at what we're talking about next, but I want to I wanna start right there. How the heck do I find an investor who fits my business and my needs? Tell me the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, uh, up until Brandectory, really the uh, the um, way to do this was um, either internet searches, yep. LinkedIn searches, or um, you know, trying to meet people at conferences and trade shows. Um, <clears throat> and at that point, you're kind of uh, taking a you're you're just casting a wide net. You don't yeah. know, you know, maybe you can do some filtering down to um, you know just food investors or just um, you know, people that will invest in companies of 
whatever stage you're in. Um, but you know, those are, those are some just very basic criteria. Um, there's a lot of other things that get considered, um, that can make the process inefficient, uh, if you're not already, uh, working on a targeted basis, but it takes time and effort to find investors, no matter what, what category you're in, no matter what process, uh, or stage of the business that you're in. Um, uh, and, um, uh, it's it's a matter of finding the right investors. Sure. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of angel and individual investors who will write smaller checks or or invest in companies that are below a million, below five hundred thousand, below a hundred thousand in sales, uh, are often not very visible um, mm. and and findable. Um, uh, you know, they tend to be uh, family offices that uh, don't necessarily always talk about. Well, they may not even be out there in in the world. Um, you know, they just sort of keep keep uh, keep things on the down low. Yep. Um, they're individual investors who you know it's just a matter of of being able to exp- um, uh, find them through networking. Yeah. Um, which again takes time. So well, and I think about it too, Michael. You know, like you and I have been <laughs> at many Expo West after hours parties and stuff. And it's like, well, if you don't happen to make it to the back corner of the room where that one investor who fits your needs is like, you know, you miss your opportunity and, you know, it's, it feels like a crapshoot in a way. Yeah. It, it, it all depends on how urgent of a need you, you know, you have um, yep. because at, at the trade shows in particular, there's uh, there do tend to be, uh, many industry investors there, um, but a lot of them are, um, there, there are some that will invest in smaller companies, but yep. a lot of them are, will typically invest in larger companies. It's important to to make connections and, and uh, start that relationship with everybody because you may not be uh, large enough for them to invest in today, but they want to keep track of you over right. time so that when you meet their threshold, uh, you're ready to go. Yeah. So incomes brand trajectory. <laughs> I think this is a great lead in here, right? So can you can you talk a bit more about what exactly it is? You you the way you described it, it almost seemed like a matchmaking platform for brands and investors. Yeah, it it's exactly that. It's it's a bit of a social ne- uh, social media networking mm-hmm. and dating site uh, combination. <laughs> I like um, this. <laughs> uh, a brand, uh, a brand founder will build their profile in a in a in a construct that is uh, investor facing and investor uh, friendly, um, and uh, investors then have the ability to um, search and find and um, follow inv- uh, brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the brand would, um, and, and I'm sorry, and also communicate with the, with the brands as well. And so the way that the brand helps to um, build their um, prominence on uh, on the site is the building the profile is the first step, but the second step is posting updates about uh, the company's growth. Ah, and so being able cool. to talk about things that the company has accomplished as it grows is crucial to telling the story. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, the key thing here is that, you know, uh, brands will tell their story to consumers on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest, et cetera. And they will tell their story on range me to retailers. Um, and they will tell their story to their professional network on LinkedIn. But the story for an investor is just as important. And up to now, there hasn't been a place for that to 
happen. There hasn't been a tool. So it's been yep. very cumbersome to try to do that. And so by posting uh, the, the structure of Frangectory is a social media type of interface. So you make posts, there's comments, likes, and other types of things. And so the, the brand would essentially post those updates, got into this retailer, sold out of this many units uh, at my event when they come back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, made this be higher, introducing this product, um, et cetera. And so um, as, as the company grows and these milestones are, are communicated, an investor will start to get a better feeling about the trajectory for the brand and, um, you know, helps them in their evaluation of, of then uh, growing their interest and wanting to reach out and, and connect. Oh, this and is so, so, this is so cool, Michael. I, I didn't quite realize the... How should I say it? I, I you know, it, it it's obvious when you say it that a brand shares a different story to an investor than they do to a retailer than to a consumer. And I di- I didn't quite realize that there wasn't a platform in Telebrandectory <laughs> to have that very specific um, that very specific avenue for connecting and sharing your your updates with investors. That's really cool. I love mm-hmm. this idea. Thank you. Thank you. And so the, the, when an investor is interested in what they see, um, they can reach out and it's a double opt-in connect. The investor sends a, a connection request. The brand gets to review the investor, make sure that you know, they're making an informed decision. And once they connect, then um, the investor then has access to uh, documents, that uh, privileged documents like a business plan or a pitch deck or mm. financials that the, that the founder has stored on the system as well. Um, and so transactions occur off the system. Um, there is a chat function. There's a video uh, call function on the system so that um, those conversations can take place. But any type of, of um, I'm sorry, there's also uh, file sharing. So, um, uh, you know, certainly during the process, instead of over email or trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to, you know, get mm-hmm. things, there's, there's that process. Um, and so transactions occur off the system. Um, the platform is intended to not take commissions from a transaction. It's, um, it's not, uh, it, our objective is to help make the connection and build those relationships. Yeah. And so it's a simple subscription model. Um, it's, uh, it's a monthly, it's a, a reasonable monthly fee, 39 bucks for a brand uh, per month. Um, and we tried to lower the, the barriers and, and hurdles so that uh, anyone and everyone could, uh, could get involved. Yeah. And I, I know that you, you started, well, first you started the Movitz group and then you started brand trajectory based on seeing these challenges that founders were having as they tried to grow, grow their business on their own. Right. And so I, I like, I like this idea that brand trajectory addresses some of the, <laughs> the challenges that, <laughs> that brands had when connecting with founders, like, or excuse me, when connecting with investors, you know, even as simply as simple as the file sharing or like, you know, um, getting those private documents to them all through the brand trajectory platform. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Okay. Any other big challenges that you have seen in that, that capital raising process that we haven't talked about today? You know, I think uh, founders really benefit from hearing from other founders and other mm. people that have gone through yeah. the process. Sure. And so um, that was, that's actually one other element that we built onto the brand directory platform was, uh, is community groups. 
And so um, automatically when, when a user subscribes, uh, they're automatically part of, of a, uh, a founder group or investors are part of an investor group. Founders, brands cannot see other brand profiles. Everything is completely discreet mm. and secure. But there's this um, community group where founders can pose questions, uh, ask, uh, uh, seek wisdom, share uh, best practices, share stories so that, um, you know, people feel like there's some support out there. Yes. Uh, and um, maybe get some referrals or recommendations. Um, but I think that, um, you know, you, you, you need to have uh, a network and uh, a community supporting you through the process. Mm-hmm. And so whether it is uh, fellow founders um, for that commiseration <laughs> or other trusted advisors, you know, there are many service providers and consultants in the industry that are, are more than willing and ready to help answer questions uh, just, you know, because we want to help. Um, yeah. And so um, I am thrilled when, uh, uh, you know, a, a founder will call and we just want to talk. They just want to bounce an idea off of me. And, um, you know, I, there's, that's the best thing that I could do is to help to serve and, and give back and, and support the industry. And so um, there's plenty of folks uh, out there in this industry in particular that are so supportive and so focused on serving. Um, so uh, if, if you need help, if somebody needs help, they're welcome to call me. And if I can't help, I'll refer you to somebody else. Oh, Michael, what a, what a generous offer. And I'll say, be careful what you, what you <laughs> propose on this podcast. But I think that, I think that's a great way to wrap up our episode together. So where can people find you, Michael? How can they, how can they keep in touch with you and how can they reach out? Should they want to chat? Sure. Well, of course I'm, um, I'm on LinkedIn, yep. uh, and, uh, our, uh, the Mobitz group website is mobitzgroup.com. Brandjectory is brandjectory.com. Uh, uh, my email is michael at movitzgroup.com. Um, and I would love to hear from folks regardless of the venue. Yes. Okay. So I will put those, all of those links and that contact information in the show notes today. While we are on air, I do want to remind my Retail Ready students that we've got a really generous promo code for four months free of <laughs> Brandjectory. So if you are in Retail Ready, come and tag me in our Facebook group and I will give you that promo code so you can get on Michael's platform as well. Michael, thank you so much for being on our show today. I always get so much value out of talking with you and I'm sure that my listeners did as well. Um, Thanks again for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, there you have it, my whizzes. I know (laughs) I learned a lot about becoming capital ready from Michael's advice today and I'm sure that you did too. So I wanna know, what are you going to implement first? Come and join in on the conversation in our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group. We have an incredible group of food business founders in there, plus me, helping each other navigate the complexities of our industry. So I would love to see you join us. Find the Facebook group and all of the resources that we talked about today directly in my show notes or at foodbizwiz.com. Thanks, as always, for joining me this week, and I will see you back here next week. Thursday. Until then, have a good one and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, 
B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.